grad scientists and where to find them. Seriously misunderstood creatures. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Hello, 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 and welcome to Grad Scientist and Where to Find Them, the very first episode. My name is Mael Mochon, I'm a neuroscience graduate student at McGill, and I'm doing this podcast series in collaboration with PGSS. Now, you may be wondering, what, what the hell is this podcast? What is it about? Who is it for? Well, thank you for your enthusiasm. Uh, this podcast is going to be talking about the research student experience with the people that are best placed to talk about this, research students. So every episode, I'm going to have two new guests that are going to talk not just about their research, but their own experience of being a graduate scientist. And if you want to participate, actually, you're very welcome to. I'll give a bit more details on how you can actually get into the podcast and talk about your own experience, and that would be a lot of fun. But I've talked way too much. And speaking of guests, it is now time for me to present the two magnificent and extremely talented <laughs> guests I have today. Uh, first, I have Constantina. Constantina, hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm great, how are you? Good, good. Can you tell us a little more about yourself? Yeah, well, I'm uh, an international student here in McGill. I'm uh, a PhD, fourth year, well, starting in January, so Damn. time flies. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm doing my PhD in mining and materials. Really cool, okay, Material. and we also have <laughs> Mergul. Mergul. Good Hello, evening. good evening. How are you? I'm great, actually. Evening. We don't know. Maybe you're listening to this oh, in yes, the morning. We're in a time vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, my name is Marigold. I am an experimental psychology graduate student, currently in the third year of my PhD. Um, it feels like it's been much longer, but you know, <laughs> we're we're seeing the end. It's, it's there. That's cool. So, I'm really excited to be here. Nice. How long till the end? You know, that is an excellent question, but <laughs> we'll I will not it answer that. it okay. now. That's true. Very tactless of me from the <laughs> beginning. Okay, well, let's get into the passion, what drives you, the research, because this is what we're here for. Does anybody want to start talking about their projects, anything that they've been finding, any like cool stuff that they're working on right now? You got Constantina? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm working on water purification in a nutshell, so imagine that... My background is in mining engineering mm -hmm. and um, imagine all these waste that the mining industry produce, right? So before we release it in the environment, we have to treat it. Yeah. Um, so what I do mm -hmm. in my lab, well, lab work, standing <laughs> with a lab coat. Um, so you really have a lab coat? Yeah, I do. Okay. So you're like one of these. I have two. I have, have two lab coats. Yeah, because you have to wash it, right? Oh, yes. So then okay. you have to have another one because you send it to a specific company. You don't take them home. Oh, you can't oh, okay. just dry clean them. No. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. you can't. Well, nope. Um, so we synthesize nanoparticles uh, in the lab in a continuous reactor, which means that you can produce a lot of nanoparticles at the same time and you have no waste and you start with um, an IQ solution so you don't have uh, nasty chemicals in the first place and then those nanoparticles are very clever so they used <laughs> light and uh, what we call it like a photocatalytic property so it used light to reduce the waste that we have in the water so the waste uh, get absorbed on the surface on nanoparticle and then we have clean water. We can release to a lake, a river, an ocean. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the first question I ask, well, can you use that? Is the water that we have in a water bottle uh, the same? Well, no, mm -hmm. I'm not in that scale. It's a different concentration. Mm -hmm. uh, we're working in a 
mining industry, so different okay. scale. But yeah. So what you do is like testing the particle, like testing which particles would work to like do this process? Uh, yeah, so um, we change different parameters mm -hmm. um, during the synthesis. So there are five parameters like pH, concentration, temperature, agitation speed. And depending on the on those parameters, we are able to get different nanoparticles. They have different properties, different abilities to reduce the waste faster, uh, more efficient. That's uh, really cool. Yeah. And so like it's aimed to be like sold, like commercialized to like something, or this is like really just pure fundamental research just for general. That's what I love about my project. That's an excellent question because so in my previous work we used to buy some resins which are like, you know, again, mm -hmm. kind of nanoparticles or macro scale, again like a mini mini bowl. But um imagine that now you start from scratch and you create your whole nanoparticle and then use it. So the goal would be to have a membrane or kind of a filter where you can filter out the water pass through um, and you know it's a continuous process which could be the goal would be to mm -hmm. be industrially used That's cool. um, long way to that yeah. but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so you said um, temperature is one of the parameters and I'm mm -hmm. wondering kind of outside of the lab in the real world where these lakes and oceans are um, how does climate change affect all these parameters and you know like how does that come into play does it come into play that's a good question but just remember when we we're talking about temperature we we're talking about like very high oh, like, okay yeah but that's on the synthesis part so you start with okay. an aqueous solution and then if you dispose it it's like um the nanoparticle would be in water after so then that's a different story okay but toward the synthesis then you change it you monitor the temperature or you change it i see and we talk always lower than 100 so in a hydrometallurgical world you can go like up to 500 celsius like super high mm -hmm. so that type of temperature oh interesting yeah. but it's really like in um in my work it's very important to check like when you're talking about it pH, like check the water, the actual water, mm -hmm. the pH, don't do what you want in the lab, but check the actual application. So you can say, oh, I will do it three. Well, the actual may be seven, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like eight or, you know. Okay. So what's the like, I guess you two, like we both come from like sort of like psychology <laughs> background, which has like mm -hmm. a very particular like workflow chart. You read and really you different. design something and then you test people and then you analyze. <laughs> so it's like very like mm -hmm. chunks. How does that work in, in your case? Is it I feel like it's more like continuous kind of kind of work every day at the lab trying new stuff. Yeah, you still May have I'm, to maybe read. I completely no, 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 definitely. <laughs> like you spend a lot of time in the lab, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, if you don't know what you're doing, you're just wasting resources. If you don't know what you do, sometimes after with your samples. So let's say you do an experiment and then you get a sample. Maybe it's there. It, they're time sensitive. Um, it means that you cannot just store them. So you have to know in advance what you're going to do with that sample afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. So you definitely need to read and prepare in advance the whole experiment um, before um, how you dispose it. So if it's like you can dispose it like on the sink mm -hmm. <laughs> in my lab. So you have to really read what you're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. So it's always like every little thing you do is always carefully planned, like long in advance. It's not like you come today and you're like... Mm. I'm going to try to change this parameter and we'll see what that does. Well, you do that. To oh, be yeah? honest, okay. you do that once in, a, once in a while or you're, you know, you hear something actually happens and you're like, you know what, I'm going to try this. Yeah. Or you read that and you're like, what, what will my system do if I change that? Mm -hmm. um, but you really have to know at the end of the day uh, what 
I realize more and more getting into this, it's like there's so much information out there. So unless like you're not going to reinvent the wheel uh, and our research is so narrow, someone else may have done something similar. You read, you talk with others and then you kind of, yeah, go and experiment. <laughs> well, I find it, it's actually really nice because so I read I tried to read a couple of the articles that you have okay. online. And <laughs> Thank you. I didn't understand a single word of it. <laughs> but just you saying it like this, it makes it so much clearer. Oh, it's, thank it's you. actually nice. Uh, this was one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, is it easy to turn to the general public? But like you sort of like kind of under answered my questions already. Uh, but so, because I'm guessing if it ever goes into like a step of like commercialization, mm-hmm. is that... Is that easy to like transform all the science gibberish to something that people that are of more marketing interest could understand? I think, I don't know if Marhol, you agree, but in my opinion, our generation, and I mean the past as well, but it's a very fine point where academics may know what they're doing, but you have to put your point across right. in, the other po- in the other side, right? So for me, I had a pretty uh, good laugh when I went back home and even... My grandma was like, okay, how are, how is your PhD going? And mm-hmm. it took me like many seconds to realize that I cannot use words that I used back, you know, here <laughs> uh, to my grandma or my best friends back home. And then you kind of take a step back and realize, you know, what's important, what you're, why you're doing this. And um, yeah, you understand that people are interested, but you have to know how to approach the topic, yeah, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think you make a really excellent point that our generation has this um, really like, big need to communicate our science more, yeah. um, because I think um, we're seeing how our science relates to the more global picture, and yeah. we want to make contributions. Whereas yeah. maybe before, people were just in it for the pursuit of knowledge. You know, yeah. I mean, we still are in it for that. I think. Um, But it sounds so like philosophical, (laughs) but no, really, I think it's getting more and more imperative to learn how to communicate our science. Um, And also it's a peak of social media, right? Oh yeah. That's a big topic. Like all this uh, outreach and people sharing, like if you're not sharing in the right way, then no one will actually understand it. And there is no way to share it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're getting actually a little bit ahead of the special Uh topic because there is a special topic coming on in a few minutes, (laughs) uh, which is going to be exactly about that, about how do you answer questions from the general public? Okay. Uh, But before that, (laughs) Murgul, what what is your passion? (laughs) (laughs) What have you been up to, baby? It's a better question. Yeah, okay. So I don't wear a fancy lab coat, (laughs) even though I really would love to. Um, My day is a little bit more just staring at a computer, which is why I'm wearing these big glasses. And um, so, yeah, I'm in psychology, uh, experimental psychology. I don't do clinical work. Um, Specifically, I uh, study bilinguals and... Uh, I study how they process language and how they understand language. Um, and then with all of that, I look at the intersections with social identity. So what are the social factors that affect how people use and understand language? Um, and then on top of that, um, I'm interested in some other behavioral processes, such as decision-making and how people's executive controls and, you know, just general cognitive patterns um, manifest as a result of these individual differences among people. So I'm in the middle of trying to put all of those moving parts together. It's, mm-hmm. it's been a fun challenge. Um, but 
I really enjoy what I do. I um, started in very super linguistic-y. Um, I was studying word learning, and then I kind of wanted to go a little bit bigger. So now I'm really interested in bringing some of these um, these social factors into my research. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually how I met Mayel, because exactly, we're yeah. kind of research pals. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of research interests in common. We're both interested in pragmatics, which are kind of these um, higher level aspects of language, which govern the way that we actually use language. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the past couple of years, I've been doing a couple projects on uh, sarcasm and irony processing. Mm-hmm. And um, very, I, very interesting. Talk. Oh, <laughs> if, I so, if I say so myself, you are not biased <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm not at all working on irony. <laughs> you can tell it by the sound of my voice, right? <laughs> It's got very meta. Joke, right? <laughs> yeah, it got very yeah. meta. Um, yeah, so I I have a paper coming out soon. It's in the awesome. final stages of um, revisions and things, um, looking at how bilinguals use sarcastic communication styles. And then we're in the middle of preparing another manuscript about how um, bilinguals actually read uh, ironic statements. And, so um, how do they read? So how statement. do they read? Well, I can't give that away. You're gonna have to read the paper. No, no. <laughs> you need you need people Cite to me. want. You need people to want You're to right. read something. this paper. Right. Um, yeah. So so a lot of the research in the past has been on monolinguals, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, it's not a very inclusive approach. Um, and so what people have found with monolinguals is that um, there are certain types of irony that are easier to process than others. So. Um, Whenever uh, you're uh, trying to make a criticism of something but do it ironically, mm-hmm. it's easier than if you're trying to compliment someone um, and you're doing it ironically, right? So if I'm trying... I'm actually doing a paper on this as well. Yeah, so I'm basically... <laughs> I'm explaining what he does back to himself. Um, yeah, no, so I'm, I'm here. You're I'm, here. I'm, I'm very triggered. I, I'm, I'm, giving my, my, I'm giving notes. I'm, I'm, I'm just letting you finish. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, basically, yeah. So that's what people have found with monolinguals. And we see that bilinguals largely show similar patterns, but um, that these patterns can be predicted by um, how much of a second language that they use. So that's kind of a hmm. preliminary finding for now. And um, nice. we're exploring it in greater detail. What types of bilinguals are you looking at? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so we are in Montreal, and as a of result, um, we are looking at French-English bilinguals for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. If you look at other groups, mm-hmm. uh, their language patterns completely shift. You know, some some oh, cultures yeah. don't use sarcasm or irony whatsoever. That's um, true. And even when you go across the pond to England, their usage of sarcasm <laughs> oh. is completely different. They have that very Hugh Grant dark humor. So mm-hmm. what I just said earlier about the compliments and criticisms may not actually be the case there. And so do you think actually, you know, actually you do more on reading, right? But yeah. Well, I was wondering, do you think this this different use of sarcasm is like very is more culturally dependent or rooted in in a more linguistic uh, issue? Yeah, so I personally think it is a lot of culture. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the way people use language and the way people do a lot of things is really heavily influenced by the social environment in which they're mm-hmm. raised. So if the people and the groups that you're around are really sarcastic and it's heavily embedded in the culture and it's prioritized in the culture as a way of um, maybe politely communicating something, mm-hmm. I think then you're going to adopt that same behavior. I think people are so much more... Speak it socially, up, right? yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. So heavily influenced by their like social Peers, surroundings, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So like, uh, so for example, if uh, if you speak a language, but most of the people that surround you are speaking another language, it's sort of like the ironic ability of these surroundings mm-hmm. will influence more than your own maternal language. Uh, yeah, it's very possible, right? I'm so, really, I'm getting into like <laughs> deep questions. Yeah, these are, <laughs> I think he was reviewer number two. No kidding. Um, but <laughs> um, no, I think that even if you yourself are not engaging with it mm-hmm. and you're just being exposed to it, um, I think you're also still influenced by that. I mean, for example, um, I think of myself um, in Montreal. So I, I have a working use of French, but. Um, I'm not like highly, highly fluent, um, but I still find myself very influenced by the French I hear and the French that I see walking mm-hmm. around the city. So I think that any amount of exposure is going to do something to someone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I have a question though. Yes. Were you interested in this topic before coming to Montreal or what triggered you to go into that topic? So I always knew I wanted to study bilinguals um, okay. because I was very tired of people only studying a subset of the broader world population you know actually bi- bilinguals make up the majority of the world yeah. but it takes up the minority of the research and um so i was i knew i was interested in bilingualism that's pr- the primary reason why i came to mcgill and i um, chose to work with my supervisor um i didn't know that i was going to start studying pragmatics and irony and sarcasm i always knew that i wanted something more mm-hmm. but um i hadn't i hadn't figured out by the time I got here, I didn't know what that was. Um, and so just through reading papers and going to different um, talks and, you know, chatting yeah. with my supervisor, we really carved out this niche. And I'm really quite happy with where I ended up. You know, when I first got here, it was really bleak. You know, we did not know where we were going. And just, yeah, but... That's always the case, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. I probably still don't know where I'm going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think most of research is just pretending that you understand what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, so now I wanted to pass on to the next part of the podcast, which is our special topic. And today's special topic is um, the funny, weird, silly questions or comments that you get when you say you're a researcher or when you talk about your research. Uh, Because, of course, this is not like to mock or, you know, to make fun of people who (laughs) are asking these questions, really. This is just... just, uh, you know, it's a fun experience always because talking to the general public is not always the, the easiest thing. And I think it could be nice, well, first fun to share some anecdotes about things that happen to us and also share tips for those of you who have to talk about your research and also just explain what it's like to be in research for those of you who don't know about research. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, does anybody have anything um, in mind of like a, a weird very weird question that they got asked. Mergul, I feel like you really Go, want yeah. to Yes, yes, it does, right? <laughs> Go for oh, it. Oh, no. Okay, well, yes, I have one. I don't know if you get this quite as much in your field, uh-huh. but it's super common where oh, in the field we work. And it comes mostly from other researchers, like more senior established professors. Mm-hmm. And it's when you're meeting them kind of for the first time, maybe at like a lunch or something, and they say, so... Are you going into academia or industry? And then, and the so is always drawn out like that. It's like, you know, so, so long. Anyway, um, and they always ask this and it drives me crazy because I 
don't know the answer. <laughs> they put a comma though after, and they say, "And when are you graduating?" <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a, a, a you know one A one B. It's a two part question. Yeah, it's a two part question. <laughs> I hate this question. And they're like, "I'll go to the cheese platter." <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer. But you know, the thing is that you know the answer that they're looking for, right? Yes. Exactly. So it's like, do I keep talking to you, or are you going into industry, basically? But I find it unfair because I think really? it's usually the like older professors who ask this, and maybe when they were in grad school, things were not the same as they are now. You know, maybe those sure. two options were equally possible. But I think with the statistics that are out there today, with like job availabilities in academia, I don't think it's realistic to say that those two options are equal. And mm-hmm. you know. Another component of this crazy question that I don't like is it also presents only two options, right? So if you're oh, not yeah. in academia, you're in industry. Mm-hmm. And it really irks me because I think that more academics and scientists need to think about life in other sectors. Like, what if you want to work for the government or for non nonprofit or non-government organization? There are so many mm-hmm. options to so many. communicate our science. Yeah, especially in, for psychology, I find it's like especially. A, probably a... Very wide, uh, but unknown to most uh, most students. A lot of paths. Well, in engineering as well, you can do yeah. consulting, government. That's true. Um, so many possibilities. If mm-hmm. you, I mean, everyone chooses their own path, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when they ask that <laughs> on their point of view, they're like, "Well, my path was, you know, the best." Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, is it is it as badly seen in engineering? Uh why is it in your field badly seen? Like, yeah. like, oh if you're doing like, if you're doing like something like any human science, really, like you have to do it for for like the fundamentals. If uh. you, it's sort of a betrayal if you if you leave, you know. Which well, is ridiculous. Not for everybody, but like academia is like the highest the highest standing thing, and you're doing the pure yeah. thing. And if if you go into industry, you're like selling your soul to you know. <laughs> Sort of. But at the end of the day, it's yeah. your personal choice, right? Like yeah, some people sure. love teaching, love research. And if you see, um, there are some researchers that are very good at what they do and they're not good at teaching. Yeah. And then there are other professors that are very good at teaching, but they're not that good in research. Um, so at the end of the day, I don't think there is one path. But yes, uh, though you have to try it. In my opinion, I always believe that a co-op, for example, or an internship really yeah. switches your mind. And, Definitely. Um, and also, I believe that we have to, in our generation, or you know, this is my point of view, that we have to be open to change. Yeah. And the fact that you know, I'm going to choose now to go to an industry work uh, and work in the industry, sorry, um, that doesn't mean that I'm going to stay there until I'm like <laughs> 60, 70 and I'm mm-hmm. going to retire. I want to be able to find something that triggers me and yeah. just change if I want to. And this is what everyone says, like, right? You have, you know, I'm going to take my mug. <laughs> I am a mug person. So I'm going to take my mug and go to another office, another, you know, uh-huh. it's, we have to be able to move and, you know, yeah. go around. Yeah, definitely. Right. So that's what you would answer to that, that prof that looks at you and say, so... Let's put put ourselves in situation. So, Constantina, <laughs> after you graduate, if you graduate, oh, oh my God! Wow! What you, do you want to go in academia or in industry? Um, well, that's a very interesting question. Thank you for putting. <laughs> yeah. This is right. I'm, I'm, I'm put the, the the tone as exactly. well. No. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But I think you say, well, I love teaching and I love research, but uh, I'm not sure yet. And uh, by the time I graduate, I'm sure I will find. I will apply for both or see where, you know, what is available on that point. 
mm-hmm. at that point and we'll see mm-hmm. i think if you if you have a you know an end goal at some point or you know and you don't define that's it mm-hmm. then you're gonna be happy and just look forward um yeah but i wouldn't set a goal of like well that's it yeah. the end that's the only option there are people <laughs> like that though i have like a very good yeah. friend of mine she graduated and she was like well academia is not for me mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't mean that she's going for the industry but um yeah and i yeah. think that's very valid and something that again yeah. people don't fully think about is that for a lot of folks academia can be kind of a hostile environment you know it's not very forgiving of you know yeah, yeah. differences in lifestyle and mm-hmm. um and I think that the people who ask these so questions kind of need to, I hope they're aware Relax. of that. Yeah, chill out. Yeah, chill out. <laughs> yeah. I, I think sometimes they don't realize that even though you can have your own schedule, academia is like a go, go, go situation. It really is. So the point that, okay, you can come late or you can work uh, in the evening and not in the morning. You can take a week off and it's okay. You work with deadlines. But at the same time, you have some, you know, pressure on doing so many things because like you cannot be in wherever holidays for a month and come back and believe that everything is the same Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i think there's a wrong perception on that right oh yeah you're like (laughs) wedded to your email you know you can't be off email for longer than exactly three hours exactly so yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right uh constantina do you have any any question that uh that pops to your mind, something that comes often, or just one pers- particular time where you were just, what is, what is this? What is happening to me? Well, it was um, funny. Well, we'll never forget. Uh, so I started in January, right? And mm-hmm. then I went back home in uh, a year after, let's say. Um, I started my PhD straight in McGill. And I was talking with a friend, and um, they were like, Oh, you're still at school, eh? You didn't graduate. I was like, well, um, <laughs> I'm doing my PhD. But they were very yeah. concerned. Right, that, right. Yeah, and they were like, hey, is everything okay? Like, what is <laughs> what what happened? You know, you're far. You're, I'm I'm from Europe. I'm from Greece, and mm-hmm. you know, like they were like, are, they were very concerned. I was like, everything is fine. Everything is okay. Like you're dumping in. Yeah, like I'm good. <laughs> well, I have deadlines that uh, are coming up, but I'm not gonna, you know. Uh, finish a PhD in a year or two and that's normal (laughs) no I have so many friends who ask me oh so aren't you done with your master's yet (laughs) and (laughs) I'm like I'm not even doing a master's hello keep up (laughs) PhD come on this is a much better title (laughs) give it to me no but they don't get it many people don't get get it it. it's Mm -hmm. the same it's the same bubble of like you know one world master PhD and uh, also I don't know if you have friends uh, from or Europe or in Europe sometimes um, also department and faculty per faculty uh, have different timelines so for example every faculty uh, like I have a friend who finished a PhD in three years back in Europe and that was super okay um, but here, I don't. Mm. I'm. I haven't met ever anyone so that finished PhD the PhD like, in three years. No way. Yeah. I also have the feeling. That, I mean, I feel like you could finish your PhD in three years if that if your thesis is the only thing you would do, right? But I feel like a lot of like what you do in your PhD is all the things on the side that are going to more define what you do than yeah. just your like what we're doing right now. <laughs> just like this, this is career. <laughs> yeah. Well, to keep going on the like. Um, incomprehension of what we do mm-hmm. what about the question so what's the use of your research why do you do this 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you answer that one? This is like probably like my nightmare. Well, for me, um, when I tell people I study psychology, they like nine out of ten times misinterpret that and they think are I'm you gonna saying, manipulate me yep <laughs> what always, am i thinking now? it's always what am i thinking right now are you psychic you know <sighs> like don't read my mind i'm thinking of something bad if you want do you want to just a little advice on that if somebody asks you what am i thinking you answer pizza 90 <laughs> percent of the time i don't know why usually people uh, they're like oh my god you're probably right <laughs> you're probably right and by saying pizza maybe They think that they were thinking of pizza because you said pizza. Awesome. That's what that's the kind of mind games that <laughs> exactly. psychologists play. And if you explain that after, <laughs> then they're gonna be like, oh my god. Uh. Yeah, exactly. So I think for me, most of the time, people just like totally don't get what I'm doing, or they think I sit with patients, um, which there are a lot of psychologists who do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so trying to explain the merit of research, I think, is is very difficult. And it kind of circles back to our earlier conversation about science communication. Yeah. yeah. But. Um, Yeah, I'm really trying to connect more with, um, you know, like global efforts to make life better for people and to try to situate my research into how it can create positive change, especially because I, I get to study humans mm -hmm. and humans are always changing. And um, I feel like I, I have an ability, I'm in a nice place where I can maybe connect more to what people see in their own daily lives. You know, everyone uses language. Like, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I find it's always difficult to have, when you do, when you talk about one project, that's, as you were saying, like you're always doing something that's very narrow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people, they they want a direct application of things. They mm -hmm. want to say, okay, you're doing this. This is going to be, it's going to better the society in this way. Mm -hmm. Well, like, clearly it's always the collective effort of, yeah. like once you have, like say, like what you do is a brick. Like your study is like one brick, but one brick you don't can't do much with a brick, right? You yeah. have to uh, to build a, a house with this, and so you need many many studies. It's only once you've looked at all of them that something comes out. Because if we say like, oh well, I studied irony, uh, and uh, this is what I found, people are gonna be like, oh, that's cool, right? Um, okay, <laughs> they'll say something sarcastic and then yeah. move on. Yeah, exactly. But I think understanding that. Um, academia is full of delayed gratification is yeah. so important for somebody who's like maybe starting out because mm -hmm. you're right you're not going to see that monumental impact right away exactly yeah. what do you think <laughs> <laughs> but i have a question for you mm -hmm. yeah. um totally different topic it's not that i don't know for That's me what we're here for. uh we can go in the lab and like well this software sucked today didn't work like i've been working with this equipment for so long i can't do it anymore mm -hmm. you know these data don't make sense anymore mm -hmm. how about you do you have this like going out on a saturday night over a drink and at the end of the day start talking about something very related to research yeah it always what, comes what? back to research <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. yeah i think it's in my dreams now like <laughs> like the other day was, my code was crashing in my dreams and i like woke up in a sweat and panic you know right. yeah. what is uh what is your um your way of coping with it. like for me for example one of the mm -hmm. in the first months i was um, kind of really trying to understand what other people are doing mm -hmm. and then i found out that nope i'm not gonna understand what they're doing so i'm trying to just <laughs> don't like i'm not talking about my faculty my group my department i'm talking about like other people from different disciplines and they're like mm -hmm. well there are interesting people outside my <laughs> my their research so yeah so this is the, how i dealt with it but how yeah. 
did you? Well, so I take a little break from my research. <laughs> Every Saturday is my rest day. Oh, and I think that I've, I've been doing this for the past few months. And I think that's really been helping me kind of not get completely absorbed by my research. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just put on a few candles and <laughs> I watch like like HGTV. And, you know, I really let my mind take a break. So and you I, work on Sundays? Yeah, sometimes, oh sometimes, goodness. some Sundays, <laughs> some Sundays. I, I would answer Saturday. emails on Sundays. I, I will answer emails. I do like time. I do reading. Um, if I want to write something, those are good Sunday activities. I find, mm. yeah. but nothing too. I intense. do laundry on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I do meal prep. <laughs> oh yeah, meal prep. <laughs> meal yeah. prep. Like if you want to eat, <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> butter. <laughs> That's my Sunday, especially important. evening, afternoon. Oh yeah, right. I yeah, I do that too. I do that too. <laughs> in uh, in in my lab, actually, usually. We try to like go out every so often, and it's really like one of the one of the rules is if you start talking about what you do, what you work at the lab, you just leave. Like we're going out is to talk, you know. Do you have a code uh, uh, like, like a, a pineapple? Oh, <laughs> right? we should create yeah, like a forbidden word, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's not as uh, strict, but usually it's we we try to avoid. And it's it's fun because then you understand that. Well, you know, we're researchers, but they're also people. They have yeah. interesting lives and stuff. So getting to know your lab mates outside the lab. Yeah, is, definitely. Uh, it's really cool. One thing that um, my sister especially, she always says to me, I think a lot of people don't think that students or graduate students or researchers are like, it's like a real job. So mm-hmm. whenever we're just sitting around together and just chatting, she always says like, why don't you get a real job? And I, <laughs> I never know what that means. I'm like, hello, you know, I'm working. <laughs> non-stop if that's not a job then what is but i wonder if it's pervasive to all disciplines that being a scientist or being a student scientist especially it's not you're not actually doing a real job you're just kind of sitting around and thinking all day i don't know (laughs) it's really the branding student already that that makes it bad exactly but yeah it's true that people don't understand necessarily realize that it's like pretty much everything that you do is it's like a job. Like you don't have that much. You don't have classes or anything. Right. You don't right. at all. We do. No. Yeah. You do. You do have. You do have classes, but you yeah. don't have like. It's not like you're an undergrad or something. Oh yeah. Like yeah. A, and the classes you do are, don't necessarily do them like, for grades or something. It's always like, to put yeah. an application into your own research sort of. Mm-hmm. Once mm-hmm. I just uh, I was going to a class just to you know, audit it like. Uh, not doing an assignment and honestly I think I learned more mm-hmm, while yeah. just going in class and like pinpointing what I want to learn mm-hmm. that was the best instead of like going through the assignment the midterms okay, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that sounds amazing and that's one of my favorite parts of grad school is that you can right? really be selective about where what yeah. you're learning and where you're getting that knowledge from yeah there are a lot of opportunities yeah. it's all about the passion <laughs> all about the passion <laughs> all right I have a question yes we have a window in your office. We have a lot of windows. Oh, <laughs> no. and you don't understand this building. Oh is, my God. <laughs> this building is a tower. So yeah. in, in case you don't know where, and uh, oh, maybe I should, should I give out location? Maybe? No, no, no. Then people can we are, storm we're the in premise. A mystery place. Yeah. We can see all of Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we have um, windows yeah. everywhere. We have too many windows, I think. Oh my God! You know, in in my building and uh, in general, my department's a joke. You know, I have a friend. Um, I don't have a window in my lab, nor my office. Aye. So, like, I have to make a circle from my lab or my office 
while going to the washroom just to pass through an <laughs> office that has a window and thank yeah. god it's a big office so they leave the door open so i can you know oh it's snowing and oh it's sunny today <laughs> and, yeah the sun has set at three o'clock <laughs> yeah yeah something like that but um yeah we have i have a friend and she's like yeah i've had sun it's so annoying like the, the sunlight comes to my screen i was like yes i can feel you <laughs> i think grad students are a lot like plants like, if you just give them some water and sunshine and like good soil they'll really thrive yeah. <laughs> okay i think it's time for the best game of this podcast Ooh, the one yes. and only game actually i have here some article some article titles okay, okay of uh, scientific uh, journals And I'm going to tell you the titles. And what you're going to have to do is just tell me if you think this is a real oh my scientific God. article <laughs> that has been published or did I invent it completely. Oops. Okay. okay, okay, I'm ready. Okay. Wait, sorry, I have a question. Yeah, should we work together or are we competing? Oh, yeah, it's very... You, you should compete, okay? You, you, oh, you say what you want. And we don't need to go on points. It's just... Okay, okay. it's on. It's on, yeah. <laughs> All right, so if I tell you... Pressures produced by penguin poo. Calculation on avian defecation. What? Um, true. I say true. Yeah. <laughs> you think this is a real article? Yeah. It's penguin poo, right? They're just people oh, yeah. measure the pressures. Of, My yeah, friend is working here. with crab. Like you, you pass the whole wind, like water purification with poop. So yeah, <laughs> trust okay. me, well, I know. Come and walk. It is a real article. Oh, by, yay! By Mayor Rochow and Al. 2003. We just did an air high so, yeah. five. Yeah. Very, very, yeah. very good for an audio podcast, a high five. I think we're going to make this collaborative. I'm not... I don't, I okay, if you want to collaborate, it's yeah. fine. Okay, let's, let's see. Okay, we've got this. Pigeon discrimination of paintings by Monet and Picasso. True. Mm. True? I think that's true. Unless you change the name of the artist, because I think that... Unless you I wouldn't. I wouldn't up. be. I wouldn't be so bad at just taking a real article and changing one name. That's okay. not my style. Oh, okay. I invent you, things for real, from scratch. From scratch. So true. I have a feeling that's true. It's why pigeons are quite intelligent. Okay, that's it. It's happening. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, Abbey, uh, 1995. Actually, there's many articles like that. Like there's one with honeybees as well. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, honeybees are so interesting. If I tell you the right breakfast, influence of milk cereal pouring order on cereal crispiness and flavor. Oh no! See, this sounds like something you would make yeah. up. <laughs> This is like an ad, right? <laughs> I you say think I invented this. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, is this game too easy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. No, I'll it's not too easy. No. It's okay. Specific level. <laughs> Preference of mosquitoes for cocaine infu infused blood. That's probably true. Like oh. the finding, but. There well, are a lot of cocaine the, studies with like rats yeah. and mice. Yeah, it's with yeah. spiders. And no, spi it's just actually yeah. a fake. Uh, oh, it's fake. I mean, it's fake. maybe oh. it exists, but I, it's, I, didn't, I, I didn't find oh. it. If it exists, though, I invented it. Sorry. Oh, no. It's okay. We were both duped. <laughs> It was too good for us. Farting as a defense against unspeakable dread. <laughs> <laughs> I would vote no. <laughs> yeah, let's go with no. No, uh, no, it's a real article. Ah! No! By no, C. Dolly, 1996, streak. and the guy actually won an Ig Nobel Prize for that. No Do you way. guys know Ig Nobel? No. no. It's like sort of like the counterpart of the Nobel Prize. It's like a prize for scientific discoveries that are funny, kind of weird. Like, you know, that's not they're not like groundbreaking, but yeah. they're like... But anyway, it's a very... It's 
kind of odd, funny sort of thing. And the ceremony is like super funny. Like, I think <laughs> they have a little girl with the uh, flowers. And if the speech, the like thank you speech yeah. on the, of the recipient is more than one minute, the girl comes on stage, gives the flowers and pushes the guy. <laughs> it's just like you're oh, very good. like... Uh, anyway, I if like you get that. an ignoble Prize, it means it's fun. It's pretty cool. Okay, well, okay. good for this guy. Yeah. yeah. Another one. Termination of hiccups with digital rectal massage. Um... I don't want to vote no again, but... Well, let's think about the the words that are used here. So the word termination is very it's, specific. Yeah. Right? It's a solid title word. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I think they put some thought into it. I, yeah. I say it's real. You think? Okay. He's Maybe. laughing. Maybe. Yeah, he's <laughs> laughing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll see it's real. Yeah, it is a real... Uh, oh, yes. oh, my God. Linguistic analysis. Yeah. <laughs> Genetic evidence for a direct lineage between Jeff Goldblum and Jesus Christ. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Can I really invent this? That's the question. Well, you're very creative. <laughs> uh, What do you think? It's not true. Not true? Not true. Yeah, not it true. is not true. I, invent okay. I, would, I wish. One last one. Can some musics be unhealthy, accelerated cell necrosis induced by playing country music? Oh, come I on. believe that. You believe that? <laughs> I don't That's like it. Such a long title. Come on. I think, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. Is there a review paper? Oh, is it a review? <laughs> Peer review? <laughs> I think it's true. I think people are looking at music and cell growth or death. What do you say, Constantine? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I just... Oh, oh no! no! Oh, no! I think there's people who listen to country music. <laughs> Okay, so I think this is, uh, we're reaching the end of the podcast. I hope you guys liked it. You two guys liked it. And yeah. yes. whoever is listening to this right now liked it. Uh, if you do, you rock. And we'll be back in two weeks, hopefully, with two new guests. And if you want to be a guest in that podcast, actually, it's going to be very simple. You okay. go on the PGSS website under the event or the, or the what? <laughs> <laughs> there's two possible tabs but you go into one of the tabs that is most likely to have the podcast in and there will be a page and there's actually going to be a form if you want to participate and share your own research you can give your name uh, what you're studying and if what you want to talk about in the podcast and uh, I'll contact you and we'll have super nice sessions ask them right now They have Timbits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's donuts. It's really cozy. Yeah. I, we definitely recommend this All experience. Right. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, Thank you. Uh, thanks Thank for you. coming. This is great. And see you later. See, see you later. You.